This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Welcome to a very special edition combining Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, and Latino politics and news. This is Tony Diaz. We are really proud to bring you our first full special. We usually have several guests. Today, we are focusing on one figure, legendary musical legend, Little Joe. We're celebrating the launch of his new book, Little Joe, No Yore Chingon, an American story, The Life of Little Joe, penned by Emma Gonzalez. We're also celebrating his new CD, Better Than Ever. As I mentioned earlier, we've never had one subject for one show, but this new work crosses across the lines of politics and art, which to us represents the mission of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Politics and News, the Libra Traficantes, and KPFT. So we wanted to make sure that we gave this ample coverage and at the same time wanted to make sure you got to hear it. Of course, throughout the interview, we'll be interspersing some new songs from the CD, Better Than Ever. And of course, we'll be focusing on issues that we know are valuable to our community, but also no one else would be able to ask because that's what we're about. Community, the highest level of excellence, and always an intellectual spirit. That's what you've come to expect. That's what we deliver for you. That's what this special is all about. This is Tony Diaz. Thank you so much for tuning in.
We are thrilled and honored to be joined by an American legend, Little Joe, as we celebrate the launch of his book, Little Joe, No Yore Chingon, an American story, the life of Little Joe, penned by Emma Gonzalez. And we are really thrilled to have him live on the air today for a special show dedicated to his legacy. Little Joe, welcome to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on KPFT. Tony, muchas gracias for the opportunity to, to quiero dar las gracias because uh, yo sé lo importante que tiene tu palabra. I also want our listeners to know that we need to deputize them to spread the word. So, of course, this is airing across the broadcast platform on 90.1 FM. However, we will also download it on the archives. And I mention this because under normal circumstances, we would be talking to you about your book, your new CD, and you would be coming to Houston for a concert and a huge show that I know everyone would go to. Obviously, because of COVID-19, it's a different ball game. And we can't even have a book signing because typically that's what we would do to celebrate this important book is have La Raza come out, community members get their books signed, pictures. We can't do any of it. So now... Our listeners have to get involved to spread the word. How is it going up to now promoting the book and your new CD in this new era? Well, it is a difficult time, as you mentioned, because of COVID-19. Because my best medium of promoting is at my concerts. There will be a couple of thousand people uh, at these venues, the, the casinos and other venues that I perform at. So I have their attention and I can promote whatever the product might be whether it's a cd or the book in this case so it makes it difficult but gracias a dios we have people like you that uh, gives me the opportunity to promote the book and um let me say that my intent of writing this book was to hopefully inspire and motivate the reader but especially the young generation i think it's super important that they uh, know who they are 
be proud of who they are. And if they don't know or are not completely aware of who they are, that should find out because we stand on a firmer ground when we know exactly who we are. And this book is about little Joe, but it's more than that, much more than that. It's about my family. And the story really begins for La Familia Hernandez in the book in 1912 when my dad arrives from San Luis Potosí here in Texas. That really is a beautiful part of the story. And I know right now there's a lot of fascination with 43andMe, Tosta Cosa, where people spin to a tube and they get their readings from the DNA. I think your book is a testament to our cultura's DNA. And you mentioned the DNA of Tex-Mex music. <laughs> Tell us about how long you had the story about your familia brewing before you put it down the paper, because that's what begins your book. Back in the 80s and, and through the 90s, I was very active and I still try to be active with um, different organizations, you know, the Brown Berets, Chicanos por la Causa, La Razonida, farm workers. And, and then I was doing a lot of work uh, with Willie, the uh, Farm Aid concerts, the Fourth of July picnic. So there was a lot of media around and there were people interested in writing my life story. And I just didn't see it or feel it. I thought, oh, what's there to write about? I, I just didn't ignore them, but I'd pass on it. And uh, not till much later, as I got older and uh, thought, well, how, how do I tell the story? Because my aunt, as I said, was the story of La Familia. And Emma Gonzalez, who wrote a book, Field Mice, I was doing a radio interview somewhere in the valley, and she heard me. She found me. She looked me up and found me and uh, told me that she was writing this book. Uh, would I be interested in reading? She was halfway through it. I said, of course. And I thought it was such a beautiful book. So when it was said and done, I <laughs> endorsed it. And every chance I got, I would invite her to come to the shows and talk about the book. Well, she won an award, a couple of awards. But the important thing is that all the other people that had approached me before and had written books, I read some of their books, great writers. I mean, really, some really fantastic writers. But I needed someone that would understand my story, understand my upbringing, understand me, her background, her childhood, very similar to mine migrant children working the fields and so i thought huh that's the person that i want to have write the book because she will know and understand when i'm talking about sun up to sun down and con un asadón, chopping cotton or picking cotton and and gracias worked out really well i think she did a fantastic job you definitely feel the cariño come through as she writes each paragraph each chapter and I think that's really what's key about your music, about Mexican-American studies, about books that touch our community's hearts. We have all the talent, but like you're saying, someone has to understand the values, the experience, the emotions, and put that first. I felt that throughout the book, even with the title, <laughs> Little Joe, <laughs> No Llore Chingon. <laughs> because had you sat down with the wrong publicist and the wrong editor, they'd be like, I'm sorry, Mr. Joe. Ah, uh, that name. I'm not sure that name's going to fly. Can we call it something else? 
Yes, that's true, and it happened in all uh, artists' lives. But I grew up with that because when we were kids, that you know, we'd be playing, running around, we'd fall down. <laughs> My dad would pick us up. No, you're a chingon. No, you're a chingon. <laughs> I found out, I, be- I believe the word chingar, chingon, or, or chingas is, means bartering. I think it's a Peruvian word, uh, Central America, the, the, the Peru. It, it means I was bartering, you know. Uh, so a lot of the words and a lot of the interviews, you know, I, I use the word cabron. What's a cabron? Well, it's a stud goat, you know, <laughs> right. from a cabra, from a, 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 a you know, a sheep, a, a goat, chiva. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's special con nuestra gente and nuestra our dialect, the Tex-Mex, uh, the Chicano, uh, bilingual uh, Spanglish. First, let me admit that I'm an old man, uneducated. I dropped out of the seventh grade. But I see things very simple, uh, very simplistic. I speak from experience because I have no other learning. It's been a great experience for me. It's been an incredible journey. I've met some incredible, beautiful people. And same thing with the music, the band, the musicians that worked in my organization. I learned from each and every one of them. The, you know, tenemos la capacidad de aprender from any and every one if we open our minds to listen uh, and to share. With this book, lo que quiero, as he's mentioned, is for the young generation to understand how and what our forefathers went through to afford them the opportunities. The the book, Noyore Chingon book, as I as mentioned, begin, begins with my dad coming from San Luis Potosí, 1912. And his story is an amazing story. And funny how things happened. I, I'm just a really blessed, lucky guy, man. The book was done like 90%. And Emma and I worked on it for two years and four months. About 90% done. And my dad, I remember, was writing his life story. He wrote about four ledgers. And uh, he would write on both sides of the pages. Well, desgraciadamente, we, I didn't keep up with him. We just didn't. We lost him somewhere, misplaced him somewhere along the way. My brother has one that I know of. And my sister might have one. But I happened to have the first one he started writing, his life story in my office. It'd been there for years. And when I moved from one location to the other, the book was there and my daughter found it. And she uh, presented it to me and I started to read it. And I thought, wow, what an incredible story. So I forwarded it to Emma and we used the beginning of the book, my dad's life story. And it's so amazing. And for me, I think that's the foundation of the story how he got here, what he went through, his parents, a lot of sacrifice, a story, a story of survival, a story of strength and commitment. And then on my mom's side, my grandmother, Maria, my mom's mother, she comes from Aguascalientes. My grandfather, Coronel Jose Maria de Leon, set my grandmother Maria, my uncle Felipe, and my mom Amelia to Texas during the revolution. And her story, my grandmother's story, same thing, tragic, but it's a love story. 
so amazing. And uh, I remember the stories my mom talking about her father. She always said, I say, yo hubiera conocido a mi padre. You know, while she was in Texas, they communicated my grandfather and my grandmother. Uh, they would ride back and forth. But then my grandmother had a couple of kids and they were growing up. She remarried and they lost communication. The letters got lost. But my mom always talked about, how, you know, how she would have loved to have met my grandfather. Uh, and actually, my grandmother, Maria, on my mom's side, was the second family de Coronel Jose Maria de Leon. There was, he had a, a, an older family, so this was a young family that sent, uh, she sent my grandmother to Texas. So that's really the foundation of, of the Familia Hernandez beginning, de Leon Hernandez. And uh, of course, I didn't pop into the port until 1940, October 17th. <laughs> <laughs> October 17, 1940, stormy night, about 2, 2.30 in the morning. My dad had befriended, uh, came a compadre, Justo Hernandez, here in Temple. And when they moved from where the Sam Harrell farm, where they were sharecropping and doing whatever was done there, 1939, he moved into my to his compadre's three-wall, dirt-floor car garage. Couldn't have been much back in 1940 for Chicano to own. So it was a really, really rainy night, and the water was coming in up the ankle deep. And boom, I come into, uh, <laughs> and, and like I said, I, bring, I bust into the party. And uh, I've been at it ever since. <laughs> <laughs>
eso, for sure, what I love about our community is right now we're empowered. Felicitaciones en su libro. That is so important. Felicitaciones on your long history. I teach Mexican American literature. I'm making a commitment to you that I'm going to use your book in my Mexican American literature course because it fits in there. And I'm also recommending other professors, especially at the college level, implement it. One, because you're Mexican American, you document the evolution of what you call Tex-Mex music, Chicano rock and roll, American music. Además, with that historical perspective about the Mexican Revolution, the Mexican Revolution 1910 is a major historical marker for the entire U.S. And I think that also makes your book very important to the Mexican American history course that was approved by the Texas State Board of Education. And I think your story is important to the kids. It sounds like part of your mission was to inspire the youth. Tell us a little more about that and why that's so important to you. Well, Tony, that's amazing what you just related to me, and I am very grateful for that. And I agree with you. It's very, very important that we know and learn more about the uh, Mexican Revolution because the Mexican Revolution is an American story. I want, again, the reader to get inspired and motivated that si se puede, you can. I want them to, as they read and learn more about me, what I came through to arrive here. Tenemos nuestra cultura. We have some certain characteristics about who we are. That's why I feel it's so important that we learn more about who we are, who our parents, the great-grandparents were, because it's a beautiful culture. Desafortunadamente, it's like, my name is Jose Maria de Leon Hernandez. And out of the whole tribe that I know of, which is hundreds and hundreds of family members, I'm the only Jose Maria de Leon named after my grandfather. So for me, it's important for us to find out who we are and learn about the value and the importance and above all, the contributions that have been made to this country by our people, the recognition that's so deserving that we just don't get for contributions that have been made to make America what it is. We don't deserve to be called rapists, murderers, drug dealers. I want the reader to read the book and be offended when we're called those names by anyone but, you know, se lleva tiempo, and what you're suggesting to do by teaching from the book, that is so amazing and great because, gracias a Dios, that's what I was hoping would happen, that maybe they would teach some of it in school, especially with, with the young generation, with students, man. You know, they need to be inspired. And the way my jefita, my dad, brought me up, Always do for the one that has less. Gracias a Dios, if you have a little extra, share. Mm. So because of my experience of not having and having to have people que me ayudaron, ayudaron a mi familia, I know what it's like when my dad was in prison and around the Christmas times, you know, hard times, and to have what was called Santa Pals bring us a little cardboard box with salt bacon and some cans of goods and whatever food they gave us then meant a lot and more importantly what i've learned of the, so many 
fundraisers that I've done for many events for many causes. Of course, it's important to raise the money that's needed, but it raises the spirit of the recipient. It means so much that someone cares enough to do something for you. But I mean, the greatest satisfaction I get is being able to help others because al fin de cuenta, todo se acaba and only our deeds matter. Not what we say, but it's what we do. And uh, we all have the capacity, and I think we all have the compassion and good heart to do good by one another. And in these times, we certainly, certainly need that. I just had a conversation with people from North California, lo que está sucediendo with the farm workers. It's just so heartbreaking. So we can do good by one another. Your neighbor, your brother, it even starts with yourself. You got to love yourself to love others. And my experiences have taught me that it starts with oneself. Levántate. Do something. Y no te rajes. Don't quit. No matter what, there's always a way. You just got to find it, but you have to have the will to find it. And we all have that in us. But sometimes we just need that motivation, direction, and inspiration to get things done. That's beautiful. And of course... We expect you to have a gift for words that you've been expressing through your music. I think you've got this history of music that really has been telling this similar story, but you needed the book to spell it out for folks. And I think even right now when teachers are having to adjust to online learning today on this broadcast, so it's a, we've never done a one hour special before, so we're happy that you're going to be the subject for our first one-hour special. Además, we're going to broadcast during our regular programming for Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, and then also Latino politics and news because you cross over to both. Tell us a little bit about how the music, especially your new CD, Better Than Ever, complements the book, Little Joe, No Jore Chingon, An American Story, <laughs> The Life of Little Joe. They work together, though, and I think that's really what's perfect for especially the classroom in this current situation. I started music uh, out of necessity. Uh, I mean, there was music my dad's brothers and sisters. They all sang, played instruments, and grandmother was a piano teacher. She was musically taught. So there was always that ambient in, in, in my dad mom's house. And I, I heard some beautiful songs. And sometimes I think back, 1949, I'm nine years old. We're living in Brownwood, Texas. My dad's working down the railroad and moved over there for just a few months. And I remember there was this couple that would come uh, visit my dad. And they would bring their guitars and they'd sing. And this was this song, Se fue mi prietita y nunca volvió. Dejando la ingrata clavado en mi pecho un puñal de traición. My dear beloved brothers and sisters, I am so glad you could all look, be look, here look, with me look, tonight. Look, 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 you're, you're clashing with the guitar, look. Oh, you're but I gotta tell them about mi prietita. I'm 
Kid, why would I love those lyrics, you know? Uh, and uh, <laughs> right. since, since I was a kid, since I was a child, I remember all those, well, not all of them, but so many of those beautiful songs that uh, I heard, you know. But ordinarily, you don't have a kid of that age listening to found words like that, you know. And uh, so when I time came around and... Uh, I started recording, uh, as I said, by necessity because pretty much in Nuestra Cultura, well, you're now the boss, you're the mm. you're head of the family, you know, mm-hmm. uh, next next in line. And there's a story, and, and maybe I'll have time to relate it to you about how what happened when uh, the year before. But anyway, I was, and I'm still a shy person. People sometimes don't believe that, and I try to disguise it sometimes by talking a lot or joking. But <laughs> I was just shy of being in front of an audience. As a kid in school, I always wanted to sit in the back. I didn't, I didn't want to be noticed. I was a real skinny, timid, shy kid. Uh, Timid's not the word because I had to do a lot of things. I had to grow up early. I didn't have a childhood that uh, most kids do. But, gracias Dios, I wouldn't change any of experience. I am what my experience have made me. It, I, I just had to overcome that fear to get on stage. I was 30 years old and still sometimes I get those butterflies and I'd feel like throwing up over my, all over my shoes. And, ah. It's just real difficult. But, as I said, necessity made me do it. Once it started working, I said, well, hell, let's sigo adelante con esto because <laughs> it was a way of, I, first, first time I got paid in 1955, they paid me five bucks to play a sock hop. Uh, it was a four-piece band. They paid us $2.50 for gasoline. It was in Cameron, about 30 miles from Temple, and $5 each. And, you know, I had to pick 500 pounds at a penny a pound to make five bucks. 
And I thought, wow, all the groceries I could buy with five bucks. It was a matter of necessity. But early on, as I told you about learning or remembering those songs, when I started recording, I had such a volume of beautiful songs that I could relate to. But from the very beginning, I had that that pride because it was instilled into me of being Chicano. All my life, all my recordings, I have tried to do my best to represent who we are, Nuestra Cultura, through music. I've been fortunate to travel all over Europe, all over Japan, and no matter what, I like diversity. I, if I could make a living playing jazz, I would have probably done that. But siempre, no matter where I'm at, I play the music that I put together because I'm I'm overly rated. I'm not good enough to imitate or copy. I have to do things my way. That's <laughs> that's what works for me. You know, it's that simple. It's it's not that I'm that good or that, but I take advantage of the fact that since I can't do it like that, I'll do it like this, and I keep doing it like that, and pretty soon there is a model to follow of what I've been doing. But siempre trato de representar a nuestra cultura, a nuestra gente, our pride through music. So far, I believe it's worked, and I hope that I have time to continue doing so. And that's what I wanted to do with all my recordings. But on this particular album, Better Than Ever, I went back songs like El Rebelde. I recorded it maybe 50 years ago. So a 30, 40-year-old person, to them, it's new. And it's so difficult to find those old recordings. So I have an opportunity to re-record some of these songs. But those songs, especially as Canciones Jose Alfredo Jimenez, uh, man, they, 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 for me, I've been asked, which is your favorite song? And my reply is always, songs to me are like beautiful ladies. I love them all. I just can't remember them all. But every song, every, every song that I record... Luego de Corazón, and uh, take pride in it. I take, I, I, I want to make sure that I do the very best I can, not for me, but for the people that I hope will enjoy what I do. The Chicano pride comes out in, in my view, because of your in-depth honesty and vulnerability. Because we're very familiar with your achievements and your glories. I'm very impressed that you went there in the book to a lot of stories that if you didn't tell us, we would not know, but it's also humilde, which is powerful. So for example, you were sharing with us how shy you were. I wouldn't have believed you, but you say in the book, I used to vomit <laughs> before performances <laughs> and you've got pictures when you were a little kid too. So I would say you've pinpointed the power of art in that wonderful feeling that adrenaline from culture, conocimiento, and arte, that really is fulfilling. And I think that's what the vocation to art is, is to offer that opportunity to some obreros, some professional people who can go to your concert at the same time, let students know that they can get there, they can hope for that aspiration. And that's beyond plata. That is maybe the heart of culture. And I think it's beautiful that you put that in our, our fingers. I think you're basically breaking down the power of cultura, no? I am a simple person. I see things in a simplistic way. 
I'm a simple person. I don't try to change anything before I view it. And I everything has two sides to it. Lo que hago, lo hago de corazón y lo hago en una manera honesta. Honesty and fairness play such a big role in our lives. We can find a way to hook to that. It can lead us to a more fulfilled life. It can help us understand life better and overcome our, the obstacles. I find goodness in everything, Tony, that happens. This coronavirus thing, you know, they could say, ah, desgraciadamente, poor Joe. I'm very, very lucky and fortunate that I transmitted it. I, I, I feel sure that it was me that transmitted it to my niece, daughter, and wife, and they suffered through it. It was really bad. I was so tormented knowing that they were sick as I was. But I find this. It's given me the experience and now the opportunity to talk about it. And I find that a positive from being sick with the COVID-19. My little brother's death, Jesse, age 20, who was really the uh, driving energy. He wanted me to be the star, front the band. He wrote songs, he played bass, he played piano, and he sang beautiful. But he was would stay behind me and wanted everything to happen good for me. Well, I was the last one to see him in the family the night he died. And uh, it was torture, really, just an agonizing time for the whole family, for everybody. But even in that, I made a promise to him that I would stay with the music and take it to the top, whatever that means. So even that, I find something positive. I would have not probably done it because it was his dream that I do what I'm doing now. So there's goodness in everything that happens in our lives. We just have to find it. And one of the most important things I think I learned from my dad, and I learned many things from him, good and bad, my choice to decide what I use and don't. But facing reality is really something so important in our lives. Things that happen that we can't change, that we have to still struggle and go on. You know, we continue to live for others. But when the accident, if people will remember, happened to the kids in the valley that a Coca-Cola truck hit a busload of kids and they fell into a lagoon and some drowned. And it was a terrible, terrible uh, experience for all the families and all and they invited me they called me the uh, mayor from alton called my manager and asked if i could go and talk to the parents and the families and try to see if i could calm them down or anyway i went there and one of the i was visiting and they stopped me at the door they said no you can't come in they thought i was taking advantage of with the media and I said, wait a minute, I was invited here to come visit the families and, and the children that are in the hospital. I, I'm not with the press. I'm not with the media. And they said, well, okay. So anyway, they, they allowed it. But I asked the reporter, why are you here covering such a tragedy? He says, he reminded me, he said, what my dad told me. 
the sooner you face the reality, start talking about it, the sooner you're going to start healing. And I thought, well, yeah, that's what my dad's always said. You know, you've got to take that scab off for it to heal. And uh, that's so my whole life's played that way, you know. Siempre hay algo bueno en lo que nos pasa en la vida. You have to look for it and accept it. I'm not a materialistic person. That, I'm sure, helps me a lot because I'll find richness in other things, in friendships and family, in good deeds. I was born rich. I was born to a family that vienen con ese corazón. Sure, I was born in a dirt floor, but rico de cultura, rico de conciencia. So, I'm a lucky and happy guy. Para que voy a negarlo Me emborracho porque sufro Porque traigo aquí en el pecho Muchas ganas de llorar Para que voy a negarlo Tú haces falta aquí en mi vida Y a pesar de tu perfidia Yo te quiero mucho más ¿Para qué voy a negarlo? Tú eres dueña de mi amor Pero yo soy un rebelde Pero yo soy un rebelde Y prefiero Sometimes people have a stereotype of Chicanos or Mexican American art that we're exclusive, that we make it just for one group. When we read in your book about all of your musical influences, it's obviously that that's not the case because you've got such a wide array of artists that helped you from so many cultures. Tell us a little bit about that, how that and how that influenced your Chicano rock vision and Tex-Mex music because it is universal. Music to me is like food. I love it all if it's well prepared. I couldn't I could not be me and play a show if I had to stick to one genre and one style or one language for that matter. As I mentioned, I, my preference is jazz, so I inflict my music with jazz licks and that set it apart. 
in this particular genre that makes gives it a uniqueness. And it's only because I love jazz. I love the symphony. When I thought I had paid my debt, I promised to my little brother a show at the uh, Majestic Theater in San Antonio, sold out two shows, two nights with the symphony con Mariachi Campanas de America with La Familia Band and some dancers. And at the end of the night, at the end of the show, we'd close the show with Las Nubes and dancers. And there's like 122 people on stage. Just amazing production. And the second night when uh, Riot was just about over, I stopped and I think the people, of course, but thought of the audience. But then I told them that about my promise to my little brother. And I know the first Grammy I won, I dedicated it to his memory. And one of my brothers told me, Joe, you've completed, you've kept your promise. That's the highest recognition you can get from your peers. And I, I, I thought, yes, I felt like my promise uh, has been kept to my little brother. But doing that show with the symphony, I don't know, maybe eight or ten songs I did with them. And they were all, they wanted me to do original material. So these were all songs I wrote. Uh, and I was thinking the the audience, and of course, it was hard for me to not to cry. And uh, <laughs> I made everybody cry in the room. But 54 years after my brother's death, for me, on a personal note, performing with the symphony, those shows, that was the pinnacle of what I've done. I thought, this is the top. I finally, for myself, I recognize I couldn't ask for more doing what I do with music. Uh, I've participated with different artists, and it's all been great. But that... Those two shows, those two nights, it was just so, it was such an incredible, beautiful, just soul cleansing and realizing that for me, I took it to the top, just like I promised my little brother. That's one of the things that when they ask me about the Hanna music or what, music is music, open your mind, keep your mind open, follow your heart, what you like, you know. I don't record, I don't let the market dictate what I do. I do what I do, and if the market accepts it, gracias. If not, well, who cares? I'm just a no-cotton picker, man. It, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to do what I do with the music, and I do it for my audience, and gracias a Dios, it's always been accepted. And I'm totally grateful that they've accepted not just my music, but in many cases my point of view in politics and other things that uh, are so important to our community. Well, thank you for bringing that joy to all of us. We've been celebrating the new book, Little Joe No Yore Chingon, An American Story, The Life of Little Joe, penned by Emma Gonzalez, and the new CD by Little Joe and the La Familia, Better Than Ever. Thank you so much for taking the time and really inspiring us. Well, Tony, gracias a ti and again, uh, those that uh, want to better themselves, you can do that by helping someone else better their lives. I think it's a rule that we may know or not know of, but I think it's an obligation and a responsibility 
to do for one another. If you think about something that's so, so heartbreaking, think about children. Look at your children, your grandchildren, or your cousins, or your little nephews, or whomever, but look at the children and imagine them then taken away and put in cages, especially during this time with this virus, the trauma, the parents not knowing if the kid's alive or not, tell you how heartbreaking it is for me. So think of the children, and one day those children are going to be adults. Think about what you can do for them now that will help them be better people in the future. And we all, we, all of us have that ability, even by a little gift, a little inspiration from anything that you can do for a child. Please do it. Because se pasa el tiempo de voladita, and before we know it, they're in charge. And what kind of future do we want for our gente if we don't start with the children? And let me say that Trump is a sick, evil, racist, lying, terrorist, coward. He's the guy that put, he and his cohorts, the Republicans, put those children there. And I'm a forgiving person, and I want to be, but this is one of those times when, a, oops, I bump into that wall. I don't know what it'll take for me to forgive, but I guess in the end, we all have to learn to forgive. But um, it's just really, really heartbreaking. Tony, un millón de gracias for your time. And I appreciate that you were kind enough to let me share your audience. Te deseo lo mejor a ti y a tu familia. Okay. Toda la gente que nos escuchó esta conversación today. We'll keep in mind some of the topics that we discussed. And uh, of course, before I forget buy the book buy the CD (laughs) thank you so very much Tony thank you so much for your wisdom your legacy and your wit it's been a pleasure talking to little Joe gracias cuídate sin ella de pena muerta. ya no quiso escucharme si sus labios si abrieron fue para decirme ya no te quiero Yo sentí que mi vida se perdió en un abismo profundo y negro como mi suerte. Quise hallar el olvido al estilo. Well, 
me hicieron llorar Wow. 